Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Open your Bibles with me to Book of Acts, chapter 20. Just want to thank Pastor Tony and Patsy for the privilege that it is to share the Word of God with you awesome people. This is a great church. Can I have an amen? I love the Word of God. I love Paul. Paul's my sort of bloke. I like that man. Acts chapter 20, and here what's happening, he's about to leave, and he's calling the Ephesian elders together, and this will probably be the last time that they ever see him. And uh, not just a few. In those days, there were home churches of some, you know, uh, uh, Bible exponents say maybe 20,000, some maybe 50,000 people. So it's a big meeting. And he's going to address them, and he says in verse 22, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that change and tribulation await me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd be going after that. <laughs> I mean, you, how many of you want to go to jail and all those sort of things? It's easy to say that. But this man doesn't, and he says, None of these things move me. I love it. Verse 24, None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race or my course with joy. I like that. How'd you like to finish your race, your course with joy? And joy's not the name of his wife. Is that right? I don't mean to be rude, I'm leaving later, but a lot of people don't finish anything. In this day and age, they don't finish anything. They don't stay married. Now, don't get all cranky, hello. They don't stay married. My mum and dad were married to each other for 72 years. 72 years to each other. I remember asking my dad, how do you stay married to the same person for 72 years? My dad said, great revelation. He said, just learn to be less selfish. See, that would halve the divorce rate, that one thing alone. And Paul says that I might finish my course and my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I like that. So how is it possible? I'm asking God, how is it possible to stay in ministry, go through all of those things and still say that he wants to finish his course with joy? You know, I don't mean to be rude, but you know, a lot of people today don't finish anything. I mean, is that right? I mean, they just quit. Just quit. Is that right? If a person that you don't succeed, just quit. They quit on marriage, they quit on family, quit on business, quit on home. The ultimate quitting is suicide. And number one cause of death among our young people is suicide. No, it's not, it's not drug addiction and it's not motor vehicle accidents, it's suicide. My son's a detective in the Northern Territory. Number one cause of death is suicide. The ultimate quitting is quitting on life. And Paul says that I might finish my course with joy. So this man's got something that I want to know. How do you do that? You know, what's, what, what's the secret? And I believe he sums it up there in verses 18 and 19. He says, and when they came, come to him, he said, you know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Then he says, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears, trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. But he says, serving the Lord with humility. I love that. You know, the Spirit of God's just been dealing with me over the, uh, of late. And uh, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I was actually having coffee with a, with a pastor, ex-pastor anyway, of a, quite a large church. You know, we're just having coffee. I'm being a friend. And I sat down and he just started really to unload on me. And I just said, stop. Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. 
You're angry, you're offended, you're bitter. That's just some of your good points. Anyway, but listen to what, I mean, a while ago you were actually serving, now you're an enemy of the church. You're, you're, you're actually trying to, what's the matter? What's, what, it's all about me, what they did to me. What they, oh, I feel a love's going to come now. Is that right or not? So, you know, the Spirit of God's just been dealing with me along these lines. And, you know, it may not be a popular message, but I do believe it's the Word of God. And so, you know, he's talking about serving with humility. That's a dirty word today. The whole way of the world is it's all about me. Pride, ego, what's in this for me? Is that right? Even people when sometimes in the church, what's in this for me? He's talking about here that he served the Lord with humility. I love that, humility. You know, if you go today or you go and do a study on the word pride, it breaks down to haughty, arrogant, inflated estimation of self, self-centered, self-promoting and self-image. Self-made, I should say. Well, I'm thinking about that. In James chapter 4, if you'll go there with me, you know, the Spirit, as I say, I was just doing some study here. And, and maybe it's just me. Maybe just me, God's dealing with, I don't know. But when you minister, you, when he deals with us, we deal with you. <laughs> in verse 6 of, of James, I like James, most practical book in the New Testament. The, you know, the New Testament equivalent of the book of Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. And he says in verse 6, but he gives more grace. How many of you need more grace? Three of us. I don't know about you. I need all the grace I can get unearned favor is that right how many of you know if you've worked that out now you and I weren't created to work it out ourselves is that right or not you're not that smart hello is that right we are not that smart that we think we can work you know eventually you'll come to the place where you come up against something you realize you don't have the answer for in yourself he says but God gives more grace I love it more grace so if you can have more grace you must be able to have less grace more grace therefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I love it. God gives grace to the humble. That word resist, go home, do your Bible study, means to actively fight against. So you're trying to tell me that God would actively fight against me. That's what the Bible says. Now, God doesn't hate you. Hello, he loves you, but God won't share his glory with anybody. If you're going to claim it for yourself, and don't tell me when I do it, see an answer to God, and I did this, and I did that, and hey, God needs the glory. Can I have an amen? Who's the center of your life, you or, or the Lord? God resists the proud. but gives. See, it's not that God hates us, but he, the kingdom of, of, of God doesn't operate by pride. It operates by humility. Take my yoke upon you. Is that right? I'm meek, I'm lowly of heart, Jesus said. So the kingdom of God operates by humility. That doesn't mean he hates you, but it's like the law of gravity. How many of you know the law of gravity works for everybody? If you don't believe me, jump off the building and give it a shot. I remember when we were kids and when I was growing up, you know, I saw one of those movies where Superman could fly. So I went up to the top of the two-story hotel and we're going to jump off with, a parrot, with, a, with an umbrella. True story. But I got somebody more stupid than me to try it first. Broke his legs. I couldn't work out. Well, it worked on the movies. How come it didn't work? The law of gravity works for anybody. I don't care how much faith you got. The law of gravity works for everybody. If you don't believe me, I remember the first time I saw a 747 jumbo jet fly. You know, we went down to Darwin and watched. Here's this humongous plane. Is that right? This thing's too big to fly. 
But what they do, they start those big jet engines up and run down, they pull back on those big thrusters and down they go at 50, 60, 70, 80. When they hurt a certain speed, is that right? They pull back those big jet thrusters and wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles, that jet thing flies, that jumbo flies. If you don't think the law of gravity works, switch off the engines. Lead sled. Is that right or not? The law of gravity works for everybody. The kingdom of God doesn't operate by pride. It operates by humility. It operates completely differently to the way of the world today. Is that right or not? Everything's about us. iPads, iPhones, it's all about, oh, I feel the love coming now. Can I have an amen? You know, I was sharing in the first service, I was reading in Time magazine last year, the average young person takes 42 minutes of selfies a week. That's seven minutes of total narcissistic. <laughs> That's right. Don't you even know what you look like yet? After 42 minutes, you'd know. You take a photo of the Eiffel Tower, but I'm in it. Is that right? You can't even go out for a meal. Here's the food, but I'm in it. <laughs> I feel a love coming from the young people, right? Do I lie? This is the most narcissistic generation we have ever had. I remember when we actually used to take photos of other people. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> So I'm not knocking it, hello, but that's the way of the world. The Bible says in the last day, what, 666 stormtroopers are coming? Blood moons? No, it says men will be lovers of themselves. And that's the generation we live in. That's the way the world's trying to take us. It's all about you. It's all about me. You know, we're, I was talking to somebody before, we're fast becoming a nanny state. You can't do this. And I put up on Facebook the other day a picture of the playground at 1900s. You want to have a look at it? I mean, there's high, they're up there, they're swinging on things like trampolines. You, is that right? We'd all be in jail today for that. Anyway, thank you for your enthusiasm on the point. But God gives grace to the humble. Is that right? He resists the proud. God's not mad at you, but God won't promote you. If you're going to promote yourself, is that right? See, the kingdom of God operates by humility. No, and I believe, this is me, you know, and I, I could be wrong. I'm not saying that this is thus saith the Lord. But I would love to see my nation touched by a move of God. Genuine move. Anybody? Revival? Sweep across. We were living in Darwin in the 1970s when that move of God moved among the Aboriginal people. 700 were slain in one meeting in a, in a uniting church on the floor. They didn't even know. All speaking in tongues. You can't accuse them of making it up. They didn't even know what was happening to them. Uh, swept right across, hospitals are emptied out, dead erased, just thing, awesome. No church is claiming it, this is my group, you've got a hello? But I wonder, just wonder, if the reason that we're not seeing a move of God is not because it's the devil resisting us, but it may be God. How many people do you know it's all about me and my group? Is that right? You know, you've got to come to my church, my group, whatever else, and I'm the one. Listen to me, the Bible says when the brethren get together in unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. I'm not knocking, I'm just observing. When we moved to the Gold Coast from Darwin, they used to have the, the, the Gold Coast, uh, they took the oval there, 5,000 Christians used to meet. All the different churches used to come together. We don't have that anymore. You can get the people together, it's the, it's the shepherds that are beating each other up. You took my, my youth pastor, you mongrel, bang. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, okay, just go joking. I'm just observing some things here. But all of a sudden, it's hard to get all the churches, for whatever reason, to work together. You know, and sometimes I just wonder if it's just pride. This is all about me. You don't know what I... See, even in the grace movement, is that right? I remember the early days of faith. We used to be the Kenneth Copeland cult of Darwin. 
I had three tapes on faith and I knew it all. <laughs> just called obnoxious. Is that right? I, just knew. I liked it better when I didn't know it all. Hello? The more I'm in this, the less I know I know and the more I need to just to trust in God. I, I don't have the answers for all this. Hello? It needs to be. I'm not just making it up. Hello? I, I'm just, just the goodness of God, the grace of God. You know, where would we be without the grace of God? And God resists the proud but gives more grace to the humble. I love that. You know, true to humility is not groveling. That doesn't mean you just grovel and I'm, a, I'm just a, a maggot or something. No, that's stupidity. But the Bible says not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. It doesn't say you don't think. Is that right? That we're sons and daughters of God. Is that right or not? But he's talking to me. I believe that true humility is just total dependence on God. Not us, not our theories, but just total dependence on God. You know, in Matthew chapter 23... Everybody say, I'm teachable. No, come on, come say, I'm teachable. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, he says, And whoever, whoever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. One translation says, everyone who promotes himself. I like that. Everyone who promotes himself will be humbled. I'm very quiet in this Presbyterian church. What about now? And, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I'm just thinking about it. You know, it's not a popular message today, but can I give you a revelation? You were born selfish. Is that too deep? We were all born selfish. Is that right? Remember when you were a kid, you thought the world revolved around us. You didn't care what it embarrassed. You could be in the movies. You could be on the plane. Is that right? Middle of the night. You could, wherever. And if you wanted to be fed, you just squawked it out. You screamed. Is that right? Until you got your needs met. Is that correct or not? That's great when you're six months. It's not good when you're 30 years old. <laughs> do I lie? Well, dear God, they know what they said to me. They know what they, I pastored for a long time. I know what pastor goes through. You fail to meet somebody at the door or somebody sits in the favourite seat. Dear God. All hell breaks loose. The world's not coming to an end just because someone sat in your seat. Anyway, thank you. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad I'm not your pastor? <laughs> So, you know, we were born selfish. We think the world revolved around us. Don't you love it? You get on the plane, that right? And the baby, why don't they stick the babies up the back? How come they're always up the front? I'm trying to sleep. I'm feeling love coming. Or the, you get the kid that beyond you kicks the seat for 12 hours. <laughs> Does that test your patience? Yeah, God. Anyway, uh, thank you, Jesus. But the Bible says in the last days men will be lovers of themselves. You know, Proverbs 13, I love this passage. I was just looking at this a little while ago. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, it says, By pride comes nothing but strife. One translation I like better says, Only by pride comes contention. Only by pride comes contention. You think of some of the contention that you've gone through and go back to what the cause was, the way they treated you, what they said about you. Is that right? I didn't get to sit on the front seat. I feel alive. It's coming. Only by pride. It says, only by pride comes contention. The original sin, is that right, was pride. The devil didn't hate God. He just was jealous of God. He wanted to be like, is that right? I want to be like, is that right? No, I'll be like the most high. Pride. And pride comes before a fall. I don't know everything, but I tell you, you know, I can just begin to see the Spirit of God. And maybe, as I say, maybe it's, you're all wonderful, super spiritual. Watch out, your halos don't slip down and strangle you to death. 
And maybe it is just me, is that right? My wife probably thinks it's just me. Anyway, but anyway, pride is the devil's number one weapon. If you can weasel you into that. You know, John chapter 15, let's look at some scriptures. You can take them home, study them for yourself. John chapter 15, and where am I? And verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Is that what it says? That's pretty straightforward. Without me, you can do zip. Zippo! Is that right? I mean, how much deeper? Do you need the Greek for that? What's the Greek in the Hebrew? Well, what's the Greek for? Shut up, you're boring. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Hello? But that's straightforward enough. You can do nothing. I was sharing in the first service. It's amazing. You know, common sense is not all that common even in the church. I was preaching that someone and this guy comes up and says, that's not true. I went to the toilet. I didn't need Jesus' help. I said, you're an idiot. You're just educated beyond your intellect. You don't have both oars in the water, Jack. Hello? Hello? What's the, see, what he's talking about, without Jesus, there's no access to the throne of God. Without Jesus, there's no forgiveness of sin. You can say and do whatever you want to do. There is no access to forgiveness. Is that right? Without Jesus, there's no access to the wisdom of God, to the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Without Jesus, is that right? We cannot even in, enter the kingdom of God. Without me, you can do nothing. But we sure give it a good shot. Do we not? We give it a good shot. We think we, we can do this. And, is that right? You know, and as I say, I, it, it just amazes me. The Spirit of God just been dealing with me strongly along these lines. Without me, no forgiveness, no healing. There's no grace. Grace is not a message. Grace is a person. The, is that right? The law was, was given through Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. It's a person that we need to receive. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter, up the back there, 1 Peter, da 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 where are we Peter? 1 Peter chapter 5, and look here with me in verse, latter part of verse 5, God resists the proud, here he goes again, but gives grace to the humble, therefore humble yourselves, is that what it says? Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due, due time, God's not against promotion, just self-promotion. If you humble yourself, everybody that promotes himself will be humbled. Is that right? But those who humble themselves will be promoted. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that what he may exalt you in due time and in the context that's written, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. You were never created to carry your cares and woes. It's an impossibility. Is that right or not? For us to even carry those things, that's called stress. Stress. Is that right? I was reading in Time magazine. Yeah, I got a subscription. My wife gave me a subscription to Time magazine. This leading psychiatrist was saying the stress levels today equal the mental patients of the 1950s. So what's considered normal today, you're a nutcase back in the 50s. That'll make you feel good. We pop pills more than any other generation because we don't know how to handle stress. He says, cast your care. Is that right? It's arrogant. Is that right? It's haughty to think that you can work it out yourself. Yeah. It's the arrogance to think that I can do this. Is that right or not? The ultimate, I believe, is that I think I can handle my life. Well, I'm, you're in for a sad surprise, a big shock, Jack. Anyway, you know, my wife and she might be talking about it, but when it's your turn to minister, you can do it your way. 
But about 18 months ago, you know, we're going to the United States and she was puffing a little bit going up the stairs and I thought, well, that's not too bad. I said, but maybe you better go and have a check-up because, you know, don't want something to happen overseas and she's from a German background. It'll be okay, I can handle it. <laughs> I'm not looking over there, I'm not looking over there. But, you know, she never gets sick. She never gets sick. I mean, we've been all over the place and I'm crook. She never gets sick. So she goes to the doctor and the doctor sends her immediately straight off to a heart specialist. The heart specialist said, you've got heart failure. That your heart's only operating at 30%. I think normal is 50 or something. But your heart's only operating in just a little over half normal. Sends her off, to, you know, and they do this, whatever they the test, puts her on all sorts of medication. We can't fly, we can't go to the United States, you know, got to try and get our money back, all that sort of thing. But you know, and I looked it up, she didn't know, but I looked it up and I found out that heart failure normally, normally, hello, eventually leads virtually, uh, keeps on a downward until it uh, leads to death. That's, that's the normal prognosis. Check it out for yourself. How am I supposed to pray? I'm the man of flower and power. But listen to me, I, I found that all of it just sort of left me. All of a sudden, all of the things that, that I knew just left. Anybody been in a car smash, you know what I'm talking about? You sort of just freeze up. You know, I, I'm staring perhaps in the face, you know, of the death of, uh, of the love of my life for over 50 years. How do you handle that in the natural? Well, maybe you, but I didn't know how to handle it. You know, she's confessing, and I prayed for her and that sort of thing, but I'm just praying in tongues because I don't know even what to pray. Can I be honest? Hello? I'm just being gut level on. I don't know what to pray. I'm just praying in tongues because, you know, I'm in the middle of the night and things. I don't even know what to say. A month ago, she went back to the doctor. The doctor said, toss your medication away. Heart's normal. Don't need to see me again. Now, wouldn't it be good if I got up and said, no, that's my faith in action, you know, boys, hello? That's rubbish. That's the glory of God. That's the grace of God. Because I can tell you now, I didn't even know what to do. I'm talking about just simply the grace of God. Just trusting in God's goodness and God's Because, hey, maybe you're wonderful, Mr. Flower and Power, but I didn't even know what to do, what to say, because I'm too emotionally involved in this. Is this correct or not? So it's called, you know, God gives more grace to the humble. I'm just going to God, say hello, you know, just believe in God. From I believe your word, I believe Jesus paid the price for us. Is that right or not? We're just trusting in you. I don't even know what to do or say. We're just trusting in you and that the outcome will be wonderful. Some people look at me real strange. God won't share his glory with anybody, people. The kingdom of God does not operate by pride. It operates by humility. And that's why I believe, if I can possibly say it, there's such a huge problem in the church today because we've never learnt that. We think if we promote ourselves or promote the ministry, you know, there's something seriously wrong. Is that right? When we think we need to promote ourselves, God does a much better job of promoting us than we do ourselves. So, you know, humility is just total dependence on God. Pride is promote yourself, self-centered, self-reliant, self-made man. You hear it all the time. Can I have your Bible, please, love? Go to Galatians chapter 5 with me. Galatians chapter 5. This is the New Living Translation. I like it. And it says here... Ah, that's why it's not reading right. I thought you would have turned to the page for me, Jen. Galatians chapter 5, look at me, verse 16. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. 
And the Spirit gives us the desire that are opposite to what the sinful nature, nature desires. There are two forces constantly fighting each other, and your choice are never free from this conflict. But when you're directed by the Holy Spirit, you're no longer under or subject to the law. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activity, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, divisions. But listen to this. The feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your little group. Isn't that interesting? Of course, that would never happen to us. Now, is it right to be real or do you just tiptoe through the tulips? You know, I feel like I'm born again since I just, and I'm not just talking, but you know, since God really has started to talk to us about grace, real, you know, it's changed my life. I feel like I'm born again, again. But I notice people even in the grace camp that are arrogant thinking, you poor person, you don't even know what I know. I remember that was the early days of faith. That's how we were. You might be saved, but you wouldn't know anything. Hello, is this correct? It's called arrogance. Listen to what he says. He says here, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom that operates by humility and not by pride. Not by doing and filling, is that right, uh, yourself. But go listen to what it goes on to say. But when the Holy Spirit controls your lives, he'll produce this kind. Fruit of the Spirit. How many of you know fruit is something that's just produced? Works of the flesh, you're going to have to do it. But fruit of the Spirit, it's like an orange tree. He doesn't stand out and say, give me a best shot, I'm going to produce an orange today. You feed it, you water it, it'll produce fruit. But when the Holy Spirit controls your lives, you'll produce this kind of fruit in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen to me. The real you, the real you is a spirit being. You don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. The real person is a spirit. We're made in the image of God. When you die, you'll just drop this earth suit, zip it off, and the real you, a spirit, will go to be with God. It's like when the spacemen go into outer space, they have to have a suit on, a space suit, because they're in a hostile environment. But when they come back to home, zip, they take it off, the real person. You don't look at the earth suit or the space suit. Oh, look at that person. They'll lock you up in happy acres. Is that right? So the real you is a spirit. This will take away all the fear of death. When it's time to go, you'll just zip this earth suit off and the real you will go to be with you. If it's born of God, that's the only place it can go. If, if it's not, no matter how many years you've done good deeds, if you're not born of God, you ain't going. The real you is a spirit man, spirit being. And the real you, the spirit man, is a kind person. It says kind and loving and peaceful, gentle. Is that right? Think about kindness, goodness. I like to look in the mirror and say, you're a kind person. Is that right? Loving person. The real you, even though when you want to laugh sometimes. I was sharing in the first service. Don't you love those roundabouts? I hate roundabouts. We're on one time and there's an Asian driver going the opposite direction to us. Like, hello? I mean, I'm not just Asians, I'm not, praise God. <laughs> Jam, My daughter-in-law's Filipino, I'm not, you know. But it just seems to be those people that got their license out of a weedy packet. Is that right? But anyway, I'm doing the right thing on the roundabout, and this guy's giving me the number one driver award. I said, I'm doing it right, you moron! And then I hear the voice of God say, tell me again how kind you are, and loving that you are, and gentle that you are. 
Don't look at me so super spiritual, you know what I'm talking about. It seems to me with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, when we get in that car, <laughs> there's a big change. Is that right? All of Some people just change dramatically. Anyway, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter, I was driving my daughter, she goes, move over, you moron. I hate push bike riders. <laughs> Jen says, hmm, I wonder where she gets that from. And anyway, but the real you, the real you, no, not the flesh, the real you, is loving and kind. And gentle. Think about that. Look yourself in the mirror. Loving. I'm a loving person. I'm kind. I'm gentle. I'm forgiving. Is that right or not? I don't call. Is that right? I'm not full of myself. Not haughty. Impressed with my own ability. But God resists the proud but gives more grace. More grace to the humble. I love that. As I say here, the real you is meek and humble. Is that right? And it comes effortless, kind and, 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 and thankful. I know about you. I love that. You know, it comes when we come to the end of ourselves. I, I, I really believe anyway. I, I didn't coin this, but I believe it. You know, that real faith comes simply by surrender to God. I believe your word. I'm not trying to work something up. I'm not trying to confess. I'm not trying to convince myself. I just believe your word. I believe what your word says. Is that right? You know, everything, every need we'll ever need on this life has already been paid for. Every need. Your healing has already been paid for, yet we're bawling. And anyway, um, is that right or not? Everything you'll ever need is already all. I, thank you, Jesus, for my needs are met. Every need is met. Thank you, Lord. Can I have an amen? Just a revelation. Look at 1 Corinthians with me again. 1 Corinthians there, and he's talking about love and joy and peace. I love that. I don't know about you, but I love that. You know, and the more that I read it, and starts to, you know, as I say here, but you're going to have to receive that. The law was given by Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. A lot of people, and if I can just be honest, don't receive grace. See, grace has to be received. Romans 5.17 says, For as many as receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. It says that little word receive. A lot of people, I don't, but some people don't receive grace. They say, I can work it out. Now, you may not say it, but that grace, that's just, you know, giving everybody a license to sin. People don't need a license. They just do it anyway. Isn't that not Revelation. Grace is unmerited favor. If you can do it yourself, it's not grace, it's works. Unmerited favor. Those who receive, he's talking about receiving Jesus. Those who receive the abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness. I remember years ago, you know, and we're in a church where one of the pastors was having it on with two or three of the other ladies and calling it grace. And that turned us off so badly, it turned us right off against the whole grace message. So much so that my wife tried to talk Joseph Prince out of the whole message. I don't want that sloppy grace stuff, you know. I'm thinking, oh dear God, I'm glad she didn't do that. But you know, all of a sudden when you get a revelation of grace, the goodness of God, that he paid the price once and for all, once and for all. We're striving, we're pushing, but he paid the price once and for all. It, faith's supposed to be a rest. It's supposed to be, not supposed to be striving and stressing, it's supposed to be a rest. Don't you love it when your kids come up to you? Is that right? If I'm the father, they just take me at my word. They don't got to strive and stress and push and everything else. Man, I, I love it. They just receive. Can I have an amen? You know, the simplicity of the gospel. Paul talks about, is that right? The simplicity of the gospel. Think about that. Remember when they're in the jail, Paul's in the jail, and the earthquake takes place? And the Roman jailer says, oh, what do I have to do to be saved? Paul doesn't go, here's my list. He says, believe. Believe what? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Believe what? 
believe that he paid the price once and for all. Is that right? Read it for yourself. Man, I love it, the simplicity. You know, just the simplicity of the gospel, sharing. It's so easy to share the gospel now. God loves you just like you are. Just like you are. I know I've shared this before, but hey, do it when it's your turn. But you know, uh, I was, a couple of years ago, I was going to a barber on the Gold Coast. Rough as bags. Every second word's a swear word. If he took the swear words out of his vocabulary, he would be struck dumb. I mean, he, he breaks up words and drops expletives in the middle. I don't even want to be there. You know, but he's a good barber, so I'm there. I front up this day, and he's away, and there's the lady barber. Now, don't get all bent, bent out of shape. I mean, this lady's rougher than he is. I mean, swearing, tattoos. Now, don't get cranky. I'm sure you... I'm not against tattoos. I just don't like needles. If you want one, go for it. But would you slap a bumper sticker on a Ferrari? You know, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hello. Anyway, she's there and she's rough. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting up in the back. I'm, I'm just minding my own business. And she looked up and says, what do, you, what do you do? Well, hey, I love what UK Prime Minister Tony Blair said. Never apologize for your values. I said, I'm a minister of the gospel. So the language changed immediately. All the swearing stopped. Isn't it amazing? All the swearing stops. Now she picks on God. And God did this and God did that. And there we go. And I find she's a backslidden Christian. God, I said, lady, just stop. You wouldn't even know God if he slapped in the face. I said, listen to me, lady. God loves you just like you are. I didn't say she's saved. I said, God loves you. For God so loved the world. Is this right? I said, look at me. I said, because they won't look at you doing this. I said, look at, look, look at me, look at me. You know? I said, look at me. I said, God loves you. She said, you don't even know what I've done. I said, well, if it's based on what you or I have done, I don't qualify. If it's based on me or you, we don't qualify. If we get what we deserve, we should end up in hell. I said it's based on what he did, not what we've done. It's based on accepting and receiving the, the abundance of grace. Is that right? He paid the price once and for all. I love that. And she looked at me and she started to cry. Hello, she's crying in the barber shop. They're all looking. I never touched her. Never laid a hand on her. Hello. I go. Two weeks later, she turns up at church. I never invited her. She just turned up at church. She must have seen something she liked. Hello? Better than ramming a track down. Some, oh, you mongrel going to hell. <laughs> Feel I love now. Listen to me. I go back a month later and she's not there and the barber's there. And he sees me. He says, Colt brushes through the people. He says, I don't know what you did to Helen, but that must be one hell of a church. <laughs> I said, well, maybe you need to come too. He says, it's not that bad yet. <laughs> but he could see something. She could see something. Anybody know it? See, every religion on the planet is based on you doing something. Every religion. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you've got to go to church on a certain day or you, hello. If you're a Muslim, you've got to, is that right, pray five times a day facing Mecca. What about if you miss a day? You get your camel repossessed or something. I don't know. Hello. Is that, if you're a Buddhist, is that right? Not a step on a cockroach. Read it. I'm not making it up. We studied Buddhism before we were saved. But only Christianity, the gospel of grace. Old Testament Christianity, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. You could be a Buddhist and do that. But only the gospel of grace is based on, is that right, accepting what he has done for us. Is that right? All he's asking you to do is believe and receive that he paid the price, once, a price that you and I couldn't pay. That's called grace, people. I love that. I love it. Doesn't it take away all of our facade and everything, how brilliant I really am, when it comes down to simple humility? God resists the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. I love that. I don't know about you, but, but I love that. 
I was doing a men's breakfast down in Melbourne a couple of years ago, actually. I didn't know this young Muslim man. I'm not, being, I'm not rude to people. I didn't even know he was there. He came up afterwards and he started to argue. And I said, don't argue. I said, listen to me. We don't worship the same God for a start. I said, your God wants you to die for him. Mine died for me. Your God wants you to come down, uh, sorry, to reach, attain a level that's unattainable for a start. And mine came down to my level and met me where I was at in the gutter. I said, who would you sooner serve? And he didn't say a word. He just turned and walked away. How do you argue with that? It's called the gospel of grace, people. And God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You know, there's a couple of scriptures here I want to give you before we close. Look with me, if you would, to the gospel of Mark. I love Mark, too. I guess I love them all. But Mark chapter 6, and you'll know the story. Jesus here in his own hometown. And he fronts up in verse 1. He went from there, came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What wisdom? So they can recognize the power of God, the wisdom of God. It's manifesting in their presence right there. What wisdom is this that's given? Such mighty works are performed by his hands. But there's always one. Does this called pride or what? He says, Hang on. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, well, doesn't the anointing work if your mother's called Mary? What's this got to do? See, this man is obviously listen, looking to, to take offense, and he's prideful. He's jealous of, is that right? We know this kid runs up and down the streets. So even though the power of God was there and manifesting, it has no effect on their life. Look at verse 5. It says, he could do no mighty works. didn't say wouldn't. It says couldn't. So there must be something that can stop the power of God even when it's manifesting. Is that right? God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. But if you go over to the the last few verses of the same passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 6, it says there in verse 53, when they'd crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. Not even his own hometown, but they recognized him. They ran. They didn't run away. They ran to him. Is that right? They ran to him. And it goes on to say, if you read it, everywhere he went, they brought the sick out. And everywhere, that when they touched his garment, they were all healed. So the first time, even though they recognized him, they never received him as Lord. Is that right or not? You've got to receive grace. For those who receive the abundance of grace. When he goes, steps off the boat, they run to him immediately. They not only recognize him, but they receive him. Receive him as Lord. Receive him as a healer. Receiving that grace. We're not as smart as we think we are, people. You know, the longer I'm in this, I told Tony I was in ministry 100 years, it feels like 100 years sometimes. But I'm just so grateful for the grace of God. If there's one thing I can leave you, listen to me. We're not as smart as we think we are. Just trust God. Sometimes you've got to come to the place that I don't have the answer. I can, is that right? I just, I, I just trust you. I, I believe you. I trust you. I just step back. It, it, it has to be you. Can I have an amen or what? You know, it's just really trusting in the goodness of God, believing that he'll keep his word. He's a person of his word. Is that right or not? As I say here, you know, what's, who's the center of your life? Who is the center of your life? Yourself? Are you self-centered? Or Christ-centered? Your, your marriage, your home, your family. What's the center? We, we say things. You know, one time in a service and um, we're singing I surrender all, and God said, and you're a liar. He said, so you surrender all, do you? He said, what about this, this, and this? I don't sing that. I said, I surrender as much as I can. I'm giving it my best shot. See, we just say things. 
We don't surrender all at all. This thing, is that right? I feel a love's going, well, maybe just me. Yeah, maybe just me. You know, uh, I, I shared before, but the, the church we attend on the Gold Coast, lovely pastors, Maori pastors, you know, love God, serving God. And about, what, two, 18 months ago, they went to, back to New Zealand for a holiday and, and Pastor Lorraine had a stroke. They were only in their 50s. Hello, a really bad stroke. But they had to bring an air, air uh, ambulance in because they thought if they drove her, it would kill her. And so Pastor Phil came back, shared with the people that she had 5% chance of survival, 5%. Huge aneurysm, you know, so they've got to do this brain operation. And Pastor Phil was saying, he said the same thing. I, can exp- I know what he's saying. He said, I knew it all, he said, but I, he said, I'm too emotionally involved. I don't know what to say. He said, after praying, I don't know. So he said, I sat alongside of my bed, my wife's bed for three days and I just sung and I prayed in the Holy Ghost. Sung and prayed. After three days from the operation, she wakes up, complete normal use of her faculties. Speech, listen to me, the specialist said that is a total miracle because he says most times only 5% survive and he says, and the after effects, this lady has no after effects at all. That's the goodness of God, people. She came home, you know, apart from the mohawk haircut, you wouldn't have even known she'd had an operation. She's back preaching. She's standing up back preaching. It's called the grace of God, the goodness of God. Can I have an amen? amen? No man can take glory or take the credit for that. That's the goodness of God, the grace of God. I, I, know about you, I, I love it. True humility is just, listen to me, just trusting God. Is that right? Making God the center of your life. We say these things all the time, but a lot of times we just say it. But making God be totally dependent on him. Is that right? Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said. It's light. It's easy. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I what? I'll give you a bunch of pills? I'll give you a rest. You know, I need to close off, but John, the apostle of love. You know, I love that. The disciple whom Jesus loved, John wrote that about himself. How deep is this? The only gospel that describes John as a disciple whom is the one he wrote himself. Mark doesn't say it. He wrote it himself, and I realize he's got a revelation of grace. The others don't. Peter's who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit at the right hand of the Father? Is that right? Let's call fire down. Hey, that man's got his foot in his mouth half the time. He says to Jesus, if everybody else quits, you can rely on the big Pete. He's the first to quit. (laughs) Only at the cross. Only John stays. The only one is the man that has a revelation of the grace of God. Is that right? They tried to boil him in oil. They tried to kill him. They couldn't do it. They put him on Patmos. Most people think he died on Patmos, but he didn't. Eventually, he went back to Ephesus and took care of Jesus' mother for the rest of her life. Because love never fails. The only disciple who never died a martyr's death is John. The one that has a revelation of the love of God and the grace of God. And if you remember the story that after the resurrection, Jesus comes back and the boys have quit the ministry. They've gone barramundi fishing. And Jesus comes up and he says, Courtney, fish boys, they don't even recognize him. They say, well, no. And he says, well, cast your net on the right side and you'll find what you're looking for. Now, if you read that, but if you go a lot deeper, I was thinking before, imagine if they were Aussies. He fronts up and says, got any fish? No, cast it on the right side. Hey, you're a carpenter. What would you know about fishing? Stick to what you know, Jack, and we'll stick to what we know. Stick to building cupboards. Is that right? I'm a fisherman. I know how to catch fish. My grandfather. Is that right? You don't catch fish in the daytime. You catch them at night. But nevertheless, they cast their net. 
and it's filled to capacity. Cast your net on the right side. If there's a right side, there's a wrong side. That shows me there's God's way and there's your and my way. It may not even be sin, but your way, my way, may not be God's way. Is that right? There's a revelation. It might be nothing wrong with it, but it may not be God's way. Can, hello? Right side. Right hand always talks about the side of authority and power. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Is this right or not? Think about it. You know, when the, the, when the lepers would come to the high, the, the high priest in the old covenant, the high priest would pray and he'd pray, what? He'd pray for the right, the right thumb. He'd pray for the right toe. He'd pray for the right ear. What's the significance? He'd say, if you do it God's way, everything you hear will be blessed. If you do it God's way, everything that you touch will be blessed. If you do it God's way, everywhere you walk will be blessed. Or you can do it your own way. And maybe it'll work and maybe it won't work. So he says, casting it on the right side. Do it God's way. Hello, is that right? And whatever you're looking for, and immediately their needs are met. So at the risk of offending some people, what's not working in your life? Maybe your marriage. I don't know. I have people come all the time. Been married 30, 40, 50 years, and they say, it's not working anymore. I'm doing the same things, but it's not working anymore. Is that right? Well, maybe what you've been doing is not God. Maybe, just maybe it's the flesh. You know, people come, my business is not working. My church is not I don't know. Well, what? Listen to me. Are you building the kingdom of God, or are you building your own kingdom? Why don't you just do it God's way? You got a word for me? I got a word for you. Just do it God's way. There's a novel idea. Just do it God's way. I mean, you shouldn't even have to say some of these things. You know what a lot of us do? Well, maybe just me. We'll do everything we know, and if it doesn't work, then we'll try God as a last resort. Shall we have an article for liars? You all know what I'm talking about. As a last resort, I'll try God. Well, what about we do it first? And just come to God and say, I don't have the answer for this. I'm really not that smart, hello. doesn't mean you grovel. I'm just, my, my dependence is on God. Is that right? My focus on him. And hello, trust and obey and get out of the way. Just simply trust God. So often what we do is that, well, we'll trust God, but then we've still got to get involved. We'll do, do this and, and, we've got to, and we're still trying to do all these other things. Just stop. <coughs> just surrender. Just come to the end of yourself. That's not real deep. I trust you, Lord. See, that's unknowingly what we, I did with my wife. I, that's unknowingly what Pastor did, Phil did with his wife. Just come to the end of ourselves. We don't even know. You start to see the hand of God. Cast your net on the right side. The way God does it. And all these other things shall be added. Father, I just thank you for my brothers and my sisters and I loose the anointing of the Spirit of God upon these people. I call them the head and not the tail and above and not beneath that whatever they turn their hands to shall prosper and succeed. That the enemy now shall no longer find opportunities to rob and to kill and destroy. No longer find opportunities to come into our homes and families and rob and kill and destroy. And Father, forgive us for doing things our own way and calling it God. And Father, we come just to surrender ourselves as Paul says, when I come to the end of myself, he says, well, when I'm weak in my own estimation, then I'm strong in God. And Father, we trust you. We believe you that you paid the price once and for all. And so we come before you now and cast our nets onto the right side. Father, we just give you the praise and you the glory for you resist the proud but give grace to the humble. While your heads are bowed, nobody's looking around just for a moment. Is there anybody here this morning that you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord?
I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to, to, to do anything but pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That you come to the end of yourself and realize you don't have what it takes to make it in life on your own. Is there anyone? Just pop your hand up. I'll pray for you where you are. I see a hand. I'll pray for you right where you are. I won't embarrass anybody. I won't drag you down the front. I'll pray for you right where you're sitting. All you need to do is slip your hand up and say, please, Pastor, pray for me. I need that. My family needs that. I see another hand, two, three hands. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Another hand there. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just worship you. We come to the end of ourselves. Lord, you paid the price. We didn't pay the price. And Lord, the glory is yours, not ours. We worship you. We worship you. Can I get you to stand up? Everybody, would you stand up with me? Would, this, would you say this out of your heart like you really mean it? Just close your eyes, I, I believe. And say, I believe. Now convince me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died and rose again. He paid the price once and for all. I ask you now, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I come to the end of myself. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. And I believe that the Holy Spirit invades my heart, causes me to be born again. A child of God, made in the image of God. Thank you, Jesus. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And you're my friend. Let's give the Lord a clap off. And can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.